Are you ready? It's that time! Hello and welcome to season two, episode three of Man Buns and Jesus. I think four, maybe four. We're I'm unsure. Pretty sure, it's four. Neither one of us is quite entirely sure what episode this is, but it's an episode of Man Buns yeah, it's and four. Jesus. It's four. Okay, it's episode four of Man Buns and Jesus. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you here. My name is Pastor Ben Olschlager, pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church here in Lake Orion, Michigan. Joining me today, as always, is my fellow man bun and uh, bearded you know, hobo looking feller, <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Josh Laborious of Edgewater Lutheran Church. You know, I actually had California. a hobo a while back tell me where he got his free haircuts, suggesting <laughs> I should get one. So uh, nice. Nice. Um, today, uh, we're, we're taking a little bit, what we've been doing this season we, is we've been trying to bring guests on, um, because it's, it, we think it's fun to talk to people with, with different expertise, with different passions, um, and at least sheerly based on our, on our listenership numbers, you guys would agree. Um, but this week <laughs> we decided sick of to kind of get back to just us and, and get some of the classic, uh josh ben uh crap talking and um uh give us a little bit of that and uh and we'll jump back to to bringing people on soon um but our topic for today is apologetics and for those of you who are like didn't you just do an episode on apologetics no we did an episode on apologies Kind of. It was forgive and forget was the episode, but um, when we say apologetics, it isn't we're talking about how to say a good apology, although maybe that might be a good hot take. That might be a good mini episode to release at some point. Um, but apologetics refers to kind of the uh, the study or the, the practice of defending the faith is that a is that a fair kind of definition to slap on there um and and we want to talk about kind of what it's good for what it's less good for what are some good ways to go about it and and stuff like that um so just off the top of your head ben what do you think what what comes to mind when you think of the field i suppose the field of apologetics um i mean i think the big thing that i think of um is the the many and and various attempts to defend the christian faith through um any number of different approaches to logic reason evidence um argument building um you know i've seen it done through a legal approach i've seen it done through journalistic approaches i've seen it done through um like renaissance philosophical approaches um the the field of apologetics is is very widespread um and realistically the the focus is how do we show that there is a concrete reality to this very 
mysterious thing that we talk about in the Christian faith. Um, and talking about what it's good for, I think that very much kind of points to what it is good for. Um, it helps us to see the concrete reality of our faith. Um, you know, the, the phrase spiritual, I'm spiritual, um, is kind of annoying to me <laughs> because uh, a faith, a religion like our, our Christian faith is one that we practice as a, a very concrete reality of our lives, as a concrete part of our, our human existence. And so to uh, say that our faith is a spirituality, um, I mean, there was a whole heresy about this back in the day. Um, somebody who knows more about Gnosticism can come on the podcast and talk about that at some point. Um, but like the, the church has been there and done that and realized that it was a bad idea and we want to anchor ourselves in the, in this concrete reality. And so for us to talk about the physical and historical and, um, I hesitate to put philosophical in there, but on some level, philosophical understandings of who God is and his historic place in the world, I think it can do a lot, uh, a lot of good to help us really ground ourselves back in the world. Well, and I think because you say you say philosophical and you kind of hesitate on that, but I think one of my favorite works on apologetics is mere Christianity which is a book by C.S. Lewis. Um, and he largely makes a philosophical argument for, for God, for Christianity, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. not, it's not first and foremost a scientific or a natural or a historical argument. It's, I think, first and foremost, it's a philosophical one. And I, I don't disagree. I, I do think apologetics can help kind of ground us in, in a concrete reality, but I think one of the one of the best parts of apologetics is just it gives us a chance to kind of look at how cool God is and how how consistent he is in how he has worked and mm -hmm. and um, you look at uh, the philosophical argument it's kind of cool how you see things just fit and for me um and this is kind of just because i'm i'm a stem guy i i really like seeing the kind of the science parts the, the one of the reasons i love math so much is you see these incredibly consistent patterns in nature and and it points to this incredible design that when you look at it you know apologetics looks at you know let's see how the science connects with the faith i think it's really cool right if if you're a math person, you'll understand this. If not, I guess tune me out for about 20 seconds. But um, there's like a, a branch of mathematics. Uh, it's fractal geometry. It's a branch of mathematics. And essentially what a fractal is, is it's a it's a pattern that repeats on itself. It, it iterates on itself over and over and over again. And what's incredible is this is it's a it's a more recent branch of mathematics and in, in the last hundred years is kind of when people have done a lot of work on it um it's all over nature like with with this kind of strategy of equation 
the the consistency of of nature really comes into like trees follow fractal patterns waves follow fractal patterns lava splatter follows fractal patterns um so kind of the the one of the things that i see from apologetics is it points out stuff like this and it says like you can't tell me this is a coincidence and and it's used as evidence for god but i i think it's better evidence for how cool God is um, because I think that apologetics is probably more useful to people who are in the faith than it is to people who are outside the faith. If, if you start with the assumption God is real and you look at this apologetic stuff, you're just left with, wow, God is incredible. And I, I think it can be helpful when, when you're struggling, mm -hmm. right? If you are, if you're struggling with your faith a little bit, and there are some thing, there are some particular things that are giving you trouble. Apologetics can be great to help talk, to help get you through some of those things, right? Um, and and I think the. The only way I think it's it's really a helpful tool to use with people who are outside the faith is in the instance where there are obstacles between them and the faith. Mm. Right. So they they say, I can't even entertain the idea of God because of this. So you you address that and you say, well, here's here's how we deal with that obstacle. And you're 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 using apologetics not to try and prove to them that God exists, but to remove obstacles for the Holy Spirit working in their heart, if if yeah. that makes sense. So like those are those are some of the good things I see. Here are, here are good uses. Here are helpful uses for apologetics. I, I think that 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 last use that you mentioned is certainly a, a way that we can use apologetics constructively, but it's one that takes the most care. Uh, it's the one that takes the most um, experience with the field of apologetics. And it's the one that takes the most understanding of the person that you're talking with. Um, because that can very easily be flipped from a helpful tool to a, uh, a another barrier put up in someone's face. Um, I think one other one that um, you hadn't even mentioned yet um, and I guess it's kind of similar to what you were talking about, um, but just to help people understand our rationale on things, mm -hmm. like not even necessarily someone that you're trying to remove a barrier to the faith from, but someone that like <clears throat> within the Lutheran church, we have a pretty narrow idea of what freedom is or how much free quote unquote free will we actually have and so how do you talk about the fact that you aren't truly as free as you think you are with someone that doesn't hold that same viewpoint and so we, right. we have these apologetic stances or apologetic ways of, of talking about those subjects that can help people just kind of go okay i still think you're crazy but i can at least follow the logic right um and and this is a kind of tangential story, but as we frequently say, you can't tell <laughs> you me can't what to tell do. You to do. <laughs> um, 
I, I was having a conversation with someone about Revelation, and this mm-hmm. this is one of those people who I suspect learned a lot of what they quote unquote know about Revelation from YouTube videos. For any of you listening, that's that's one of the worst possible plays. Like there are so many people who have made just they they say stupid things about Revelation. The the last plug, book of the Bible. Plug something here. Um, sure. the the best YouTube video I've seen on the book of Revelation, uh, the Bible project, uh, the one where they do like the cartoony videos where they walk through different books of scripture and kind of give you an overview. Um, it's a very safe, broad, and I think helpful understanding to the book of Revelation. So if you want something, that's a good place to start. Yeah. And And if you want a lot, buy the commentary by Lewis Brighton. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, so I was having this conversation about Revelation and he's, this guy is way off the mark, right? Um, You know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and to the point where like, because Revelation talks about the mark of the beast. And and his contention was that the COVID vaccine was the mark of the beast because it changed your DNA or something. I can assure you that the COVID vaccine is not the mark of the beast, regardless of how you feel about it, regardless of how you, you feel about medicine companies. You're not going to hell. You're not swearing your life to Satan because you got the vaccine, okay? But so he's he's telling me all these things about Revelation and how he views things, and I and and he's like, so what do you think? Because he knows I'm a pastor, and and he stops, and I had kind of just let him go because that's what listening is. You just you let people go through whatever they're going through, and and. He said, what do you think? And I said, I want to start you off by saying, I have some fundamental assumptions that come from my theology that, that are correct. As far as I'm concerned, these are the correct assumptions to have, but I am making certain assumptions that are going, that are inevitably going to draw us to different conclusions right like one of my assumptions is that when we talk about the image of god it's not that you look like god or that your dna is 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 shaped similar to god's dna or something no like we understand the image of god very differently and in that you know setting those ground rules is is a lot of what apologetics can do you can share with people like here's fundamentally how i'm operating in the world because the reality is if if you have two people looking at a set of apologetic things and one of them is starting with the assumption that god is real and one of them is starting with the assumption that god is not real both of them will be able to maintain their assumption through whatever evidence you put in front of them I, I do genuinely believe that um, because we are boundless in our ability for, for skepticism 
or um, so, which which kind of brings me, and maybe this is too quick, but to one of the less helpful uses of apologetics, I think is people use it as a mission tool, or they think mm -hmm. they're using it like you try and go get in arguments and try and prove to someone that God is real, and and I think there is that reality that if someone's starting assumption is that God is not real you're not going to like scientifically convince them that God is real. And I'm sure someone out there exists and knowing my luck, they're going to be the ones to comment on this podcast, but I have never met anyone that came to faith because they lost an argument with a Christian. I think the second that you turn a, a conversation on a, about apologetics into an argument with someone trying to prove that God exists and that God is real. You, you have distanced them from saving faith. Mm -hmm. It is like we said earlier, it is great for removing obstacles. If someone is struggling with something specific, I, I just don't see it. I don't see you being able to argue someone into the faith. I, I don't think, that is a use of apologetics. And I think trying to force apologetics into that kind of conversation is way more detrimental than it is potentially helpful. And like mm -hmm. I said, I'm sure there's someone out there who lost an argument and they're in the faith now, but the reality is if someone argued you into it, someone smarter can argue you out of it, mm -hmm. right? And I agree with you and I think, um to even further this point when people are intrigued by the christian faith through the work of apologetics it more often is due to their own curiosity and has a lot less to do with the person who brought those apologetics to bear um perfect example we, we've already mentioned him once in the podcast c.s lewis um c.s lewis came to the faith because first he experienced the fullness of human depravity in world war one and that so broke his heart and his mind that he started to search for the meaning of life and he was reading through some texts on the christian faith and started to go, you know what, this makes sense. But he started from a place of genuine curiosity. Someone didn't argue him into the faith. He just, it was presented to him in a way that was well done, in a place where he could explore as much as he wanted to, in the way that he wanted to do it. And in the end, he became perhaps one of the, the most prolific theologians and theological writers of the 20th century. Um, and that's saying something. <laughs> so I, I think you're, you're, you're a hundred percent, right? The most prevalent, the most um, damaging way that apologetics gets used is to try to argue people into the faith. Right. And and as I see it, and this is this is oversimplifying at least a little bit, but there there are three kind of conversations where apologetics would be brought up. 
And the first is, is maybe you're having a, a witnessing conversation with someone, a friend, a family member you're talking about, you know, there's a God and he's real and we all fall short, but he sent his son and his son, um, his son died and accepted the punishment that we deserved and he rose from the dead and he signaled that the it's paid in full um, and for all those who have faith in him. He promises eternal life in paradise. And you're, you're having this witnessing conversation and they're listening because you, you've reached the point in your relationship, your friendship, your, your whatever, where you're having this conversation, they're listening to you and they say, but what about creation? What about Jesus's miracles? What about the age of the earth? What like they ask these questions, and and then you start to bring up some of the the apologetics parts of it. And those that's one situation where I would say that's a good use, right? You're you're addressing skepticism, you're addressing specific issues, and, but the conversation started with the witness. the The other one is is what Ben was talking about. I think it starts with curiosity. Someone sees what's going on, they're like. What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about this? What do, and, and apologetics equips you to say, well, here's what we think, and here's how we justify this, and here's how we explain this and understand this, which again, I think that's an appropriate use. And and I think the third situation is you come in and you try and wield the facts like, like a club, and you say, well, we can prove it. We can prove this happened. We can prove that happened. We can prove it happened that way. And and some of it might be right, some of it might be overstated, right, mm -hmm. because a, a lot of a lot of proof, quote unquote, is overstated in, in its in how true it is. But you're starting off with a confrontational stance and that's not you are not serving the mission of God, you are not glorifying God with that sort of conversation, which is those should be our driving. Are we glorifying God with what we're doing or are we serving his mission? Um, and and I, I want to just circle the, the reason I say proof isn't nearly as strong is I, I come from um, a background in mathematics to prove something in mathematics. You have to prove that it is true every single time, has been true every single time, and will continue to be true every single time. And this is, this is where I hold a little bit against most of the sciences, because for science, a quote unquote proof is it has happened this way every time we have tested it. To, to oversimplify it, it's saying, why do we why do we think the sun's going to rise again tomorrow? Because it's risen every day since like up to this point. And a mathematician says that doesn't prove that it's going to rise again tomorrow. That is an assumption you are making because that is what you have witnessed. So a lot of a lot of scientific proofs used by both people who are arguing against mm -hmm. faith and for faith, their argument boils down to. It's always happened this way, so we're going to assume it, it continues to happen this way. And as a mathematician, I sit there and I say, that's not proof. That's not even really a well-constructed theory. <laughs> You're just guessing. And 
this is where I this is where I advocate for engineering as the most honest of the sciences, uh, because we take all of the stuff that mathematicians and and physicists and chemists and all of the other disciplines of science give us, and we're the ones that actually have to design something out of it. And we go, well, that works most of the time. <laughs> we 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 understand that this is supposed to work the way we think it works most of the time, but we're going to make it a little bit you know, stronger, faster, more capable, just in case. Because, <laughs> like, you know, engineers don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> shout out to all of my engineers. Um, it, so we, we've talked a lot about how uh, apologetics can be used poorly on the other. Uh, but I think, Josh, if you don't mind me, taking us down a different road here i think apologetics can also be used very poorly for the self um a lot of effort and a lot of work in apologetics recently has aired on the fundamentalist side of the spectrum uh, for those of you who don't know where i'm going with this um within the interpretation of scripture um there's kind of a spectrum um and the the fundamentalists fall to one extreme end of the the spectrum that is every word of god must be taken for itself and at face value as or every word in scripture must be taken at face value for what it is in scripture um and oftentimes that leads to reading things into the text by over reading it um i'm not phrasing that super well josh can help me in in a minute here um but the, the, the problem is so many people take like one or two word fragments from scripture and go, well, this clearly means this observable scientific phenomena. And we just don't know. Like, we don't know that that's necessarily the case. And we don't even necessarily know that that scientific phenomena is going to be um, still a, a valid, observed, and, and as Josh noted, proven thing in 20 years for those of you listening he had air quotes thank you um <laughs> and uh like the, the the thing that i see as problematic there is we construct these arguments that are in many ways like built on a foundation of toothpicks they're just so tenuous and for some people, they end up holding up their faith. What happens when you break a toothpick? And how hard is it to break a toothpick? Right. Well, because and, and the, the, the reality, and this is what we are told in Scripture, is that the foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm -hmm. Right. So to have it in some argument or some evidence, right, you're, you're misplacing your faith. Mm -hmm. Because the reality, the, the simple reality is what Jesus did for us is mind-boggling impossible mm -hmm. for one man to accept the punishment for the sins of the whole world 
past, present, and future, to accept all of that punishment, and then to come back from the debt, right? This, these are impossible things, okay? So there, there's a simple reality that the fun, the foundation of what we believe is impossible. But we, we believe, we have faith that through God it is made possible. So yeah. the, that has to be the foundation of our faith. And, and, and to, to bring up a pretty classic, like Christian or not Christian, Lutheran apologetic, um, the, the anti-apologetic to the Christian faith, uh, the, the question, what is something that someone could show you that could potentially cause you to lose your faith? Um, the classic Lutheran answer is show me the bones of Christ. Like there is no other reality, like no other part of my understanding of uh, the faith that is so essential as our understanding of Christ's concrete reality that could possibly shake my faith. But if somebody brought me the bones of Christ and proved to me that Christ had not in fact died, that would be the only faith altering possibility. Um, and that's why like, it's so dangerous for us to place our hopes and our, our understanding of the faith or our, our confidence in the faith on apologetics, because our understanding of the world is constantly changing. And if we're not careful, all of a sudden the pillars holding up our faith aren't just the reality of Christ in his life, his death, his resurrection, that, that world altering world's changing event, but instead it's in, you know, any litany of, of, um, arguments and proofs and right. Um, the work of men. <laughs> and I think, I, I think this is the first time I'm going to do this, but so buckle up, I'm going to recommend a book. Oh boy. And it's not, it's not a normal one of those pastor recommendations where it's like, are we not just recommending your Christianity? I mean, I guess that's good too. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a book. It's, it's called the explicit gospel by Matt Chandler. And it's a phenomenal book. And, and one of the reasons I love it so much is it's someone it's someone from a non-Lutheran background discovering the gospel as Lutherans understand it and discovering it as the, the foundation. And, and here, this is, this is in the introduction of the book. He says, he's, he's breaking down something Paul says in first Corinthians and he's saying, Paul's reminding the Christians of the gospel. He says, don't forget it. You were saved by it, will be sustained by it, and are currently standing in it. Right? So the foundation of this is the gospel. And if you're looking for a, just an incredible read on, on the fundamental, like the fundamental importance of the gospel, I, I would really encourage this book. If you're a member of my congregation, I'd be happy to lend it to you because um, I'm not currently reading it. So um, I do want to circle back and give you that definition that Ben promised for fundamentalism. Um, so there typically there are there are five pillars of fundamentalism. And this was 
This was when fundamentalism kind of started as a movement. It was in response to the other end of the, the interpretation spectrum, that is historical criticism, which is the Bible is less important. Like if we find some scrap of, of a historical newspaper that dis disagrees with the Bible, that's probably more important. We're going to dismiss part of the Bible. It's like you take that way to the extreme. That's the kind of thing that they, they might say. Um, but on the fundamentalist side, it, it starts off with five pillars um, that we, I say we, we as Lutherans um, might not disagree with. Mental, mentalism. Um, and I want to make sure I get them right. The five, the five fundamentals of uh, fundamentalism are biblical inerrancy which we, we agree with, the Bible is inerrant. The, the divine nature of Jesus Christ, we're on board. His virgin birth, we're on board. The resurrection of Christ, we're on board. His return, we're on board. So like fundamentally, we don't disagree with fundamentalism. The problem is where it has come since those five pillars. Um, and, and Ben mentioned it's like kind of over reading scripture and, and what it is, the core of the issue with fundamentalism is first of all, it has a penchant for taking all of scripture as literally as possible, mm -hmm. which is not appropriate because I mean, first of all, Jesus taught in parables all the time. And he was very upfront with the fact that this is a parable. And in the Old Testament, the prophets all the time are like, this is this is like a symbolic understanding of what something is. And, and the biggest example is revelation. Now, and and because I'm, I'm currently teaching a class on revelation. Here is my classic line with Revelation. Could it all be literal? Sure. If God wants to end the world with dragons and scorpion men and stuff, like, who am I to tell him, no, you can't do that? He is within his rights. However, the context of the book, especially if you read it, you know, in connection with the entire rest of the Bible, large parts of it are almost certainly metaphorical or or figurative right um so that's one of the the pitfalls that fundamentalism falls into is they're unwilling to recognize that scripture very intentionally uses figurative language in some situations and and then the other thing because they're so afraid of looking like historical critics they're, they don't let other things inform our reading of scripture. So while, yes, we should not let historical or cultural realities undermine scripture, they're incredibly helpful for reading it for better understanding, right? Understanding the culture of Rome helps, helps to understand what Paul was talking about in Romans. Right, the understanding what was going on in Corinth, great for understanding Corinthians, right? So the appropriate place to be is somewhere in the middle where we say the Bible is an errant. The Bible is kind of, um, the Bible takes first precedence, but we can learn a lot by understanding the culture and the, and the environment it was written in. It can help us understand what, what is being said, what is being shared. So, um, that's kind of the the fundamentalism spiel there. Um, but but back yeah, to this no. apologetics, 
uh, I think we've we've pretty I think we've thoroughly covered what what bad uses of it are. Um, so the the last thing we kind of talked about talking about um, in our four minute planning session was like what are some appropriate ways to do it? And I I got one simple saying, and then Ben can run with it. Read a book. <laughs> Don't read a Facebook article. I'm done. That's that's it. All right. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I will wholeheartedly endorse that 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 phrase. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> just. A- <laughs> I was going to bring up an example, but it's so, it's so bad. I don't even want to do that. Um, I mean, we, I, I can suggest some books if you want, because I used to be way into apologetics because I was, def- I was defending my faith much more regularly because I, I, I went to a school that was much more hostile to it. So I had to answer these questions. I had people say, how can you be a math major and still believe in this? And I had to give them an answer. So, yeah. Um, I mean, if you God- want to give a couple, go ahead. Uh, God's not dead. Not the movie. The movie was cheesy. There's a book written. It's God's not dead. And it's a guy who he goes through a lot of the modern scientific evidence that kind of supports our faith. And I think he does it in a very um, authentic manner. A lot of times you'll get people who are writing apologetics books, they kind of they misrepresent some research, they misrepresent some of the scientific findings. he doesn't he doesn't really do that nearly uh i mean i guess it's been a long time since i've read the book but it's it's uh it's a well done collection of research um and then mere christianity is it's it's harder to read because he it's it's old he he wrote it a while ago (laughs) and Frankly, he was a really smart dude. So like he wrote like he was a really smart dude. So mere Christianity can be a little, uh, you, you might have to chew through it a little bit, but though, if someone's asking me what apologetics books are good to read, those are the two that I kind of point toward. As I say, mere Christianity is a good one. God's not dead is a good one. Those are good like consumer level apologetics uh, texts. I think one other maybe that we can add um it's not necessarily strictly an apologetics text but if you have the newest uh um catechism from cph um one of the things that they did a pretty good job of was in brief talking about how we as christians can address some of the things that are going on in the world today um and it's kind of hard to find some of the stuff that you're looking for um they bury it in the in the explanations yeah they bury it in the explanations so I, I shouldn't say that like they did it on purpose it is no yeah in the explanations. It, it's it is buried in the explanations because that's it's not explicitly meant to be a, an apologetic text but there's there's some good nuggets in there so if you ever want to give that a read um if you get all the way through it you'll find all the nuggets yeah um so talking about where where were we going with this oh yeah good ways to use apologetics no no we we good, did good ways uh, we did bad ways good ways to like 
get apologetics. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Does Beerman think... have any videos on it? I don't I'm know. That's look. a great question. You, you go ahead and um, talk and I'll. Like Josh said, reading a lot, certainly helpful. Um, and I think another piece of, of advice off of that is if you read something and either it seems a little too good or um, it doesn't quite make sense, find something else on the topic and, and read that too. Um, you don't have to be satisfied with just one source on, on one topic so that you can uh, keep pushing. Does that cheesy smile mean that Beerman did something on apologetics? Okay. He does. Uh, I, it'll be linked It'll be linked in the podcast description, everybody. All right. Thanks, Josh. Um, I haven't watched it or read it, but I think it's a fair assumption that it's good. Probably good. Yeah. I like Beerman. Yeah, that's fair. Um, other good resources to help. Um, if you find an apologetics, you know, argument or text or article or something that you find interesting but are unsure about come talk to your pastor about it um we are um a little bit more seasoned i guess than your average bear at sorting through uh the good and the bad of of christian texts and christian um literature um and might sound like a like a full of ourselves thing but just the reality is if you want to be a pastor in the lcms you have to read a ton of material to get yeah. through your three years on campus at seminary yeah like <laughs> and and we intentionally we intentionally read books with bad arguments in them uh so that we can learn how to respond to those arguments so um if you <laughs> If you're struggling with something, don't be afraid to bring it to your pastor. Um, and then I think my, I think my easiest and clearest piece of advice is um, when you're reading an apologetics text and there are references to scripture, like I know this means it's going to take a day to do a chapter, but look into that text so that you make sure that they are not only um referencing the text properly but that they're referencing the text honestly um that yeah. they aren't using it in a manipulative way that they're not trying to twist the words of scripture that they're not trying to bend scripture to fit into their narrative or their agenda and um, don't just, just read the they verse are. they cite yeah read, read the, the section chapter. around it yeah right um I would, I would recommend at least reading the chapter it's in if not the chapters surrounding it um and maybe even finding like if it's a confusing verse see most of the the pro, uh, prophets you're probably going to run into some interesting language and cultural references you know find a an article or a commentary from that might be a, uh, that just go to your pastor and ask kind of yeah that's, that's also a good possibility i'm a little softer than ben um <laughs> especially for new testament texts you're probably pretty safe reading like with the headings that are added reading the section that it's in because those headings tend to be pretty good at kind of dividing where it's changing topics so if you read the section it's in you're going to get at least a handle on is this an authentic use of the verse or not so 
I'll I'll add maybe give a glance to the stuff that's around it, even if it's just the headings around it, so you understand a little bit of where it fits. That's fair. That's fair. I guess I'm just I'm softer than you are. <laughs> <laughs> that was the weakest bucking I have ever received, Benjamin. <laughs> Uh, worth noting that I just pounded my chest for anyone that's he not did. watching he this. Did. Um, Josh could easily beat me in a fight. I can't. Uh, I can't take any credit there. I would but... never throw hands at you, Ben. <laughs> I appreciate that, Josh. Unless you threaten my wife or my dog, then all bets are off. I mean, ditto. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so I think that's that's my you know, additional pieces of advice for how to use apologetics and use them effectively. Um, don't stop reading. Like if you find something that's too good to be true, keep reading, find more other sources and investigate the scripture references that they use make sure that they're using them honestly. Yeah. Um, if I, if I were to nail down one takeaway from this episode, because I think we're there. Um, it would honestly be just keep in mind what what good use is. It's good for addressing questions of your own. It's good for helping to remove obstacles from other people's walk toward faith. Um, it's it's not it's not for starting and winning arguments. So that's kind of my. If I were to ask you to take away one thing, that's something I'd like you to hold with you. I'm going to steal yours, Josh. I'm going to steal your line. I think my takeaway is that it's not important to win the argument. That's the, not the, the line more... I thought you were going to steal. No, yeah. Uh, the, the most important thing about having conversations about our faith is the one be genuine, two be faithful, three be honest, and four be gospel centered. Um, like, yeah, there's four pieces to that, but whatever. Um, I said the most important thing and then gave people four. Scrub. Huh. Yeah, anyway, but like, our, our conversations around the faith should center on the reality of the risen Christ and the rest, like, the rest should reflect that at the very least. Um, and that applies to any conversation we have, um, but certainly to conversations like apologetics or like the use of apologetics. So, Josh, what should we be praying about? I think prayer requests to, to put on, on your mind as you're listening to this, as you finish up listening to this, um, Pray that, that God puts people and resources in your life mm -hmm. so when you have questions, they're there to help you deal with them. Um, and also the humility to know when a question doesn't have an answer that we're going to get this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. And pray for, for those outside the faith. Pray that obstacles get removed from their, their mind and pray for the conversations they have with believers that they would be um, all those things Ben said, faithful and genuine and, and helpful with, with the mission of God in mind. So um, do I even need to do shameless plugs? I feel like if you're listening at this point, you know, we're on everything. If you want to suggest a topic, 
hit us up personally or we have a facebook page if you want to be on the show also hit us up personally or we have a facebook page um we are open to guests of any and all backgrounds if you want to come on the show as long as you promise to keep your language pg g you can step toward pg i think pg maybe maybe even like a soft pg 13 we've said crap several times on this show i i i guess that's fair as long as you're you agree to operate with that basic parameter um you're welcome on the show we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about um so yeah with that brothers and sisters go in peace serve the lord thanks be to god